Welcome to another episode of an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW in the greater Puget Sound region in Washington state and also streaming to CHD TV. And, you know, you never know with CHD TV where, where this is going to reach. And I hope wherever you are and whatever you have gone through that you are seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, that you're having some hope that you're figuring out how to take action and, um, you know, I'm a hopeless optimist, a Pollyanna, and I, I dubbed this show from the ashes of disaster. So if any of you are um, fans of, uh, oh, was it, is it, I think that's from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or one of these, those old Disney flicks. So from the ashes of disaster, grow the roses of success. Um, and from the ashes of disaster, truth and change can emerge. So we're going to, we're going to hold on to that. Um, with me today, I've got my co-host. I've got Dr. Javier Figueroa joining me. Hello, Javier. Hello. How are you doing, Bernadette? I'm very good. How are things for you in Idaho? Uh, sunny Idaho is a little overcast today and starting mm-hmm. to get cold, but uh, so far so good. No complaints. Very good. Yeah, we, we've got winter here uh, in Tennessee. It's been in the 30s and 40s and getting up, it's 25 degrees. So. <laughs> Well, at least you're in the right part of the country because I heard that the the snow is just dumping up on the the northeast right now. Mm. In the Chicago area as well. I love weather. I I love seasons. <laughs> I love weather. I love change. I love all of that. And um, and I don't even mind severe weather. I don't want anybody to be hurt. But it's kind of nature's way of saying, "Hey, mankind, you're not the boss of everything." You're not the boss of everything exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I still got something over you. So, uh, um, yeah, it's you know, I feel like are you are you feeling hope amidst the craziness? Yes. Like I am. Yes, amidst the craziness, uh, it's amazing how many things start breaking through when you just create a little room. Cre- yeah, create a little room and just and and don't give up. Nope. Don't have the the two things that allowed the past couple of years to happen in the way they did complacency. Yes. And what would be the word for with why even bother? There's nothing we could do. Is that complacency or what is that? that, That's just, uh, that's just uh, defeatism. Defeatism. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what we have learned though, I like to quote that last line in the trailer for Plandemic 3, which is coming out soon. In fact, I think one of our guests coming on today uh, in the first hour may have mentioned, I'll ask her when she comes on, that she may have been able to see a sneak preview of Plandemic 3. It's a lot about the propaganda and things out there. But what I love, it just gives me the chills every time I hear it, uh, is they tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. And I, I really do think that a lot of the stuff that was going on where, where people were led astray, um, I, I think they really underestimated the human spirit <laughs> and, the, and the love of freedom. Yes. 
and and a lot of people's faith that good will win over evil, that light over dark, all of that. Um, so we've got uh, two great hours. We're going to bring on a couple of powerhouse women who have journeys to tell and hope to bring. And in the second hour, we've got a Dr. Michael Turner is coming on and he's going to tell us about his journey that really has been a, an amazing journey that has been replicated exponentially across the globe because of COVID that again, makes me give hope for the future of future of medicine, future of health, future of freedom. Um, So with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our two guests. I'm going to let them give their own background. We're going to bring on Kat Parker and Carolyn Blakeman. There they are. Hi gals. Hi. So I have a good one. Good, good. So this is Dr. Javier Figueroa. Um, he he and I met, we were both living in Washington State. He's got a PhD in neurobiology. And, and we met when we were um, volunteering with giant banners over Interstate 5 in Washington State. And the banner said, COVID-19 vaccines makers are, are free right. from liability. I mean, it was a mouth. It was a hundred foot it banner was, across. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and we've become friends and he graces us with his presence whenever he can in this show. Oh, shucks. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a mama bear and I know the science because I read deeply and widely, but you know, he knows it because he went to, he went to college and got a degree in it. So. <laughs> I went to schools. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a little bit of a scroll. I got to tell you. In this journey, it's been so interesting. Um, you know, we drove coast to coast to move from Washington to, to Tennessee. And all along the way, we met people, ordinary people, we, and who would strike up conversations with us. And they knew more science than the public health officials. <laughs> yes, they, they, they were following some of the top doctors and scientists. They weren't following anything that you would consider misinformation, right? But just, and then just applying a whole lot of common sense. And I, I just think that's what's missing from a lot of them college educated folks. I shouldn't say that I do have a degree, but it's just not in science. <laughs> um, integrated, what was it? I can't even remember the name of the degree. It's been so many years ago, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking of tonight. Okay, so these two amazing gals I recently met, um, they're part of this growing movement of individuals who were either harmed by the COVID shots or harmed by uh, COVID protocol, who've come together and united to bring the facts forward, to get justice for the injured, justice for the families who lost loved ones, and also to reform the system so that this never happens again. There you go. So um, let's go ahead, Kat. Why don't you go ahead and and tell us, um, you know, basically who you are and and what happened, what brought you to this activism where you are now? You know, I never thought I would be an activist. Um, I have always just been an individual who worked hard for others, and um, I'm a mom. So that right there really, like you say, mama bear. I'm um, I'm definitely a mama bear. Um, I have a background in law enforcement, actually. I was a police officer for years. Mm. So um, I'm all about investigation, truth, evidence. 
um, and I'll follow that uh, to the letter of the law. And getting becoming vax injured um, has led me down a path that I never thought that I'd ever go down, which which people call conspiracy theorism. Yeah. <laughs> um, misinformation. I've been called that so many times in the last couple of months. But um, what happened to me was I was mandated by my job back in April of 21 to take the COVID shot in order to keep my job. And what state? And Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Even with a Southern accent, I'm, I live in Minnesota. <laughs> so I'm from Georgia. Um, so I took the J&J shot. That was the one that my doctor recommended. Um, so about a month after I took the J&J shot, I think it was April of 21, I started having chronic fatigue and insomnia. But at that time, I did not know it was the shot. I had no idea. So I went to my doctor. I went to a hematologist. I went to a neurologist. I went to the regular doctor, um, got iron infusions. And all they said was, you're either anemic or you're, it's your menopause or you're just overworking yourself. I love the menopause part. It <laughs> <laughs> does cause a lot of other stuff, but that I don't think it causes. So um, <laughs> with three months of not even really understanding what was going on with me. So I chalked it up as, okay, my doctors knew what they were talking about. So then I was mandated to get the booster in order to travel from my, and mind you, at this time, I've been laid off from my job um, because of COVID. And then I started working for another place. They mandated me to get the booster in order to travel for my work. So I got the Pfizer booster. And within two weeks, my hair started falling out. And then the droves just came in narcolepsy, sleep apnea, blood clots and bleeding, um, Parkinson's disease. I'm 50 with Parkinson's now. Okay. Um, um, uh, adrenal insufficiency, brain fog, memory loss, imbalance, um, mold in my ears and on the back of my tongue. Um, yeah. I have a list. I, my list is huge. Uh, idiopathic CNS, hyperinsomnia. Um, so I have insomnia and narcolepsy at the same time, which I don't even understand how that's even possible. No, and Kat, so I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, uh, go ahead. You have access to. Do you know of any uh, facilities in your area that offer hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Um, yes, and that is something I'm looking at. I'm very claustrophobic really claustrophobic. So Understood. that is the one thing that keeps me from going to do it. Um, it would either have to be a chamber where I'm knocked out <laughs> or uh, one of the room ones. So I've, I've actually looked into it, but that, that is the one thing that keeps me from going. So yeah. I, and, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Let's, um, let's expand. Let's pause a little bit here to expand a bit because um, Javier used to sit on the international hyperbaric board. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Javier? It's correct. something he knows a lot about. Yeah. And again, everything that you listed off, I mean, you suffered neurological damage. The, the, the whole idea that, you know, you develop Parkinson's within weeks to months of taking that shot. I mean, that right there is that's criminal. That, that's absolutely it criminal. Is, it is criminal. Everything that they've done to us is criminal. And I'm coming from a law enforcement side, the fraud, the deceit the um, forcing people to take the shot. Um, it's, it's not political. It is just a humanitarian issue. 
It is a criminal issue. And if we don't start holding all of these people that are complicit in this down to our governors, down to the employers, down to everyone, pharmaceutical company who implemented all of this, we don't start holding them criminally responsible. They will continue to keep doing this and more people are going to get hurt and more people are going to die. Amen. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, darned <laughs> if I stand by and continue to let this keep happening. I'm not going to do it. Exactly. And I, I want to share screen here with you guys real quick and show you something that just makes me so furious. Um, are you seeing this here? Slide yeah. 16. So before the shots were given emergency use authorization, there was a VRBAC meeting by, um, with the FDA, the Vaccines and Related Biological Advisory Committee meeting. And the FDA and the CDC both had two experts coming on talking about how they were going to watch for adverse events, right? And, um, oh, oh, hold on, let me see. It's gotta go there. Let me know if it follows all the way to this post. Did it go? It's still there. Yep, we're good. Okay, good. So what was infuriating is the FDA and the CDC both flashed by these slides so quick. I had to, you know, you had to go get them and download them to see what it was they zoomed by. And they that was both slide had, 17 in that open forum committee meeting, the eight hour one. Yeah, slides. Yes. Yeah, I think it's slide 16, but 17, 16, 17, whichever it was, it was like right there. Um, and had the doctors... And ER individuals been notified to be on the lookout for these things that they knew. And look, it was based on, it says determined on a variety of factors, the pre-market review of sponsor safety data. Um, they were looking closely at the data and also looking at their the literature and regulatory experience with these vaccines and any experience or knowledge gained from looking at the vaccine platform and their use in past vaccines and other relevant data. So um, they knew there was biological plausibility for the things that happened to you to possibly happen. And yet when you went to the doctors, it, it wasn't even in their head. Wasn't even they were not warned that is yeah so you know but well, i and just then, and then the aren't the um the documents that come in the lots of shots all blank yes yeah yes right yeah all all blank just the lack of informed consent so um <laughs> so cat i'm going to pause you there and let's go over and and hear carolyn's experience and what brought her um to the activism you're doing today and I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be an activist either, but it's kind of gotten thrown into this because, well, I really started because I lost a daughter 20 years ago and the grief almost destroyed me. And mm -hmm. when the pandemic was announced, I panicked. The thought of losing somebody else I loved was just too much. So I obsessively started researching. And what I found was there was working protocols out there and they were being completely you know, 40 year old drugs that won the Nobel Peace Prize was being, you know, called a horse paste and everything else. And so I had hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in my house by the middle of December 2020. I mean, uh, the year of December uh, 2020. Yeah. And I got COVID December 2020. And I took, I, I, my husband and I both did, I took ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and we had symptoms for three hours. And I looked at him <laughs> and I looked, I looked at my husband and said, oh my gosh, they're killing people. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote a couple blogs um, on those medications and studied protocols across the country. 
And, you know, it was the, it was the countries that took ivermectin every Sunday. They called it the Sunday, Sunday drug for parasites. And, you know, they took HTQ for malaria. They did, they had very, very little COVID cases and very, very little COVID tests until we dropped the Vax bomb on them. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I got into it because I understand grief and I knew they were killing people. I mean, I, my husband, I literally had symptoms for three hours. I looked at him and said, this is what everyone's so sick over. I mean, we, we were fine that afternoon. And um, so I, I, I couldn't just sit back and watch this happen. So one of my blogs, ironically, um, I'm in Texas. I'm south and I sound southern. And <laughs> um, it, it made it up to New Jersey. I don't know how. And into a, the hands of a former federal prosecutor of 21 years with the Mm. DOJ and the um, FBI. And he got out of government because he saw the corruption in it. Wow. And said, I'm not going to go along with this. You know, they were asking him to sweep investigations, important investigations under the rug. Um, And he's like, I can't do that. You know, offering him money and positions. And, um, but he's a very ethical man. And um, he got out and started the former feds. That's why our name is kind of strange for what we do. But, um, he got, he was at that time suing Facebook for censorship of early treatments. And he saw my blog, um, why the rejection of Ivermectin mm-hmm. and said, can you come on this podcast with me or this zoom call podcast with people all over the world? I mean, there was people from Canada, Brazil, um, the UK, and, and we were discussing the censorship of, you know, over, um, early treatments on Facebook and how we were all ending up in Facebook jail over and over and over anything we posted. <laughs> yeah. I probably tell you there, cat. <laughs> I've got a regular cell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a regular. Yeah. So, and so I, after that, after that zoom call, we kind of lost touch. And then we saw each other again on a, on a group at Facebook called the people's medicine where we weren't giving up. And he said, I need you to come and work with me on, you know, volunteer um, with my foundation. We're going to fight these crimes against humanity because that's what they are. Um, so we started what we call the COVID-19 Humanity Betrayal Memory Project. And wow. we we document all the crimes committed against the people, you know, regarding this pandemic. Um, we've got probably over almost 400 published. We've got hundreds waiting to be interviewed. We build a complete case file. We do a live recorded testimony. Um, we, we help them find um, legal counsel, get them in class actions. We are preserving the historical record because you know that they're going to try to wipe this and these people pay the ultimate price. And this is war. We have to remember them. Um, our ultimate goal when this is all over is um, to put up a national monument in the national mall with every victim's name on it. Because yeah. that that is those people that have have lost have been injured or lost their lives to these hospital protocols, um, they're the reason that we're going to be able to save our country. Because so many yeah. people are stepping up and fighting back. You know they've used this um, pandemic to take away our freedoms left and right with mandates. And you know what Cat had to go through. I've she's in our in our project. Um, but it, it's just we have a lot of different projects, but that's our main one, I would say. Mm-hmm. We also have a vaccine mandate pro se template that our general counsel drafted up that anybody can use for free. If you're faced with the vaccine mandate, fill it out and you can get your um, case in front of a judge with or without counsel um, using our and plead your case. Um, people can use that, you know, free of charge with something that would cost thousands for um, yeah. an attorney to draft up. 
Um, we also have a national volunteer task force. We have, we started with four. Now we've got almost 200 or 160 and we um, have different committees from legislation to interviewers to um, tech team, um, content team. We've got um, event planning teams, uh, all kinds of um, committees that you can be in. Our support meetings are almost every night of the week because while we're, we, we take their stories and then I feel like we're, we're responsible. They trusted us to tell them, you know, the most intimate and horrible time of their life. Now we need to take care of them because, it, you know, we have mm -hmm. to stay strong. So many people are suicidal because they lost their loved ones in, in the wrong mm -hmm. way. They're suicidal because their vaccine injured and their lives have been destroyed. Kat yeah. knows this. I know she's got several in her group. So we have, yeah. um, we have, night owl support groups. We've got survivors, vaccinated, um, men's only, mega meetings, ask the experts. Um, we've just been building and building and building because so many people need support. And the, like she was saying, this is not a political thing. They've made it, They've made it. political, but this is a humanity thing. They're not asking you who you voted for before they throw you on a ventilator and give you a deadly remdesivir. They're not asking you, you know, who you voted for. And while they're mandating the shot um, and we don't ask, but you, they do you know, ask you if your vaccine, if you have a vaccine, that's the one thing they do ask. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then you're treated mm -hmm. completely different in the mm -hmm. hospital. And they treat you completely different. But yeah. And we don't ask you who you voted for when we take your story, because this is not a right left thing. This is a humanity thing. This is a, a, this is criminal. What they're doing to people in the hospitals is nothing short of horrific murder. And I've interviewed over a hundred personally, in every state in the country, the same, I mean, it's like a script. Yep. We're just going to put you on the vent for a couple of days to give your lungs a rest. If I've heard that once, I've heard it a hundred times. And these are people with the walked in with, you know, an oxygen saturation of 96. Um, and how does a vent give your lungs a rest? Exactly. I don't understand that. I mean, does, I mean, if you put a completely healthy person on a vent, don't they emerge from that experience with lung damage to some degree because of this yes. artificial process? Yes. Yeah. And, and don't we know that the problem isn't being able to breathe? It's the fact that the cells in the lungs can't hold on to the oxygen, which is why HBOT works so well and probably why ivermectin and other things can, so can help at this stage because it helps your cells absorb oxygen. And yeah. Well, that's, that's funny that you said that because when the, um, the virus was first, or the pandemic was first announced. Our founder was in Vietnam and uh, he, he goes there frequently, um, works on their infra infrastructure and, and works with doctors over there. He loves Vietnam. Um, and he, he heard what, you know, everyone was saying over in the States and he's like, Oh my gosh, we got to get some ventilators to Vietnam. You know, they're, they're, um, they don't have very many and they're, you know, we're using all of ours and, a barefoot doctor in Vietnam said, why would we want ventilators? That's not how you're going to treat wow. this. And he was like, that was his aha moment. They said, you won't treat this. This is an inflammation disorder. This is a blood disorder. Why would we want to push a ventilator down their throat and, and, and give mm -hmm. them respiratory suppressing medications? You know, that you're trying to get them to breathe better, but you're going to give them morphine and fentanyl and propofol and Prozidex. So you can't breathe. <laughs> Nobody yeah. can breathe better enough, you know, medications to what, what, how, <laughs> I know it's mind blowing. It's so mind blowing. I know it's you wonder on such a mass scale, how so many people in the medical industry who went through medical school, who learned what these drugs 
do? How did they all turn off their critical thinking skills and think this is what we need to do? I mean, cash is king. Cash. Cash is king. Yeah, and I think they're just, they're so used to following the orders from the CDC, mm -hmm. the FDA, the NIH, you know, that's been the, the, you know, the Bible of what, how a doctor is supposed to treat somebody. And they're using the same cookie cutter treatment for everybody and not treating the individual. You know, someone right. could have bacterial pneumonia, but they're going to treat it as viral pneumonia. They could have a stroke or a heart problem and they're not even going to treat that at all. They're just mm -hmm. going to give them remdesivir, ventilator, kidney failure, death, every single one, every single time. I mean, it, it, it's mm. it's sickening and you know you ask for anything else and oh that's not protocol that's not protocol because if they broke protocol they're not going to get that big check for each individual person you right. know and it's and, the same and, way in the doctor's offices you go in and try to get treatment and first of all they don't know what to do second mm -hmm. of all they follow the same protocols and they don't deviate so they don't go outside the box to figure out okay this could be something completely different yep and then they wound up getting gaslit and dropped from care, which yeah. has happened to me twice. And, um, yeah. And it, a lot it, of these, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's, it seems like the trend is they would love to cut all the doctors and nurses just completely out of the loop. Oh, yeah. Um, and just pretty much kiosk. Walk up to the kiosk, enter your symptoms, something <laughs> scans you and out pops a drug. I mean, that's pretty much all they want. And you don't even have to have symptoms. We've had we've stories where a man walked in with hiccups, remdesivir, <laughs> ventilated, dead. You know, I've got those stories all the time. No symptoms, but I want to visit somebody. COVID positive. Next thing you know, you're in remdesivir, kidney fails, ventilated, dead. I mean, over and over and over. You know, we it's have one of our survivors. I don't know survivor. Sorry. It is. It is. One of our survivors who has an interesting perspective because we all saw it from the outside in. She see, saw it from the inside out. And her story is, I mean, you feel like you're watching a, a crazy horror movie. They, it was, she's, she's good. She's literally kidnapped. Her husband's trying to break her out of the hospital. Six hours staying off with the cops, uh, you know, running out the back door in a wheelchair with, with a getaway car. But right when she walked in, walked into the hospital, talking fine, you know, just had needed some antibiotics and some oxygen to help. And he asked her, are you vaccinated? And she said, no, I want to wait till, you know, there's a little more safety data out. He patted her on the hand and said, I'm sorry, but you're going to die. She was nowhere close to dying. And she literally saw them trying to kill her. They didn't give her nutrition or water for 13 days. She, she, her, so dry, her lips were stuck together. She could, she lost the use of her legs. I mean, it's the stories are unbelievable. I really encourage people that don't believe what's going on to go to our project. You can go to it, chbmp.org. Watch the story, watch two, watch a hundred, and you will see this is not a coincidence. This is the exact same story happening in every state to every person that walks into this hospital and you're isolated and you're gaslit and you die alone. Mm -hmm. That is cruel, cruel, cruel. You and it's psychological warfare is what it is. it is because what they're doing is they're pitting people against each other and dividing families, dividing friends, dividing husbands and wives and sons and daughters from their parents by 
you know, pushing this information into them and saying, hey, you know, your your family member, your friend is crazy. So, yeah. you know, they're conspiracy <laughs> theorists. They're they're you know, they've got an agenda and don't believe them. Right. Don't and believe that's the, them. That's the worst part, too, is you lose yeah. the love of your life. And now you're completely alienated and people don't believe you. What a horrible, horrible position and feeling to be in. I mean, not to the extent because Kat has gone through this too, but just me being in the know and researching and being in this, in this um, activism, I've been called every crazy name in the book by people that I've loved my whole life. You know, you're just obsessed. You're just crazy. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm sorry, but. And the truth is coming out. Lawsuits are being filed. We're getting somewhere. People are waking up. You know, if they thought that Americans were just going to chalk it up to, oh, it's just COVID. I'm just, you know, they died. They're old. They were sorely mistaken because when we are attacked, we push back. That's who Americans are. That's who we've always been. Mm-hmm. And we're not just going to roll over. We're not North Korea. And um, and we're going to eventually all stand up together. And, you know, they may have the money and the power, but we got the people. Well, yeah. you know what? It sounds like the deplorables uh, were a little bit smarter than everyone thought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and you know, the, and the very fact that you can look around the world and see the patterns exactly the same in lockstep. And mm. what's fabulous is so many other nations are standing up and pushing back and saying no, and having tribunals and and challenging in the courts. Um, I heard that wasn't it the head of the Indian. Didn't somebody just step down the woman that, that they were filing a lawsuit against the head of public health in India, I believe, just stepped down, maybe smelling something coming her way. Um, Probably. So, yeah. Maybe, Uttar Pradesh mm-hmm. was one of the first countries that really showed that yeah, ivermectin worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't hear anything about that on the news. No. And, and while that, let's make sure that listeners understand that the science for decades leading up until now um, has shown ivermectin to be a very potent anti-inflammatory and antiviral and its mechanisms of action in studies have shown it will likely work, even though we, we don't yet have the clinical trials, but likely work for the flu, for RSV, for other um, RNA and DNA viruses. Now, I'm not giving any medical advice, but some of the top doctors out there who know how to use repurposed drugs, Mm -hmm. especially the very safe ones, are seeing, I mean, and that to me is why they are likely, they have been and continue to attack ivermectin more than they did hydroxychloroquine. And I believe because everything that is lined up And even if we don't go big world economic forum, global power, it's not a conspiracy, but if we don't go down that rabbit hole and we just look at the pharmaceutical industry's pipeline, we can see all of these, I think there's more than a hundred vaccines in the pipe. I say vaccines because a lot of them are now these mRNA genetic therapies lined up and a lot of them are targeting RNA and DNA viruses. Right. Well, if ivermectin and vitamin C, D, zinc, sunshine, HBOT, all of these things can actually address these problems, they're billion dollar products that are um, that governments help pay for research. They purchase them, they store them, they distribute them, they mandate them, they indemnify them. Their golden goose is going to be gone. And but because of their greed, 
their absolute greed with all of this. And they've pushed so far. The opposite has happened. People's eyes have been opened up. And now you've got people who are finally, finally looking at the entire vaccine industry. Yeah, people ask me all the time, why would why would they give you a a shot that's going to hurt you? And I'm like, (laughs) because they get a customer for life. Hello. Hello. I mean, you know, Kat takes 40 Pfizer medications a day now. And the Pfizer jab did this to her. But it's just a function. Well, it's let me grab it. <laughs> yeah, she oh, always shows her case, and it's just so it oh. it blows my mind. Oh, oh, Cat! Oh, holy so moly! Why don't why don't we why don't we look into a little bit more about Cat's story? Because yeah. I, mean, I think people would I think yeah. people would be shocked to hear it's crazy everything that's happened. Yeah, yeah. So pick up, um, Cat. Let's jump back over to you and and continue on on what's going on with your health journey. Um. Every day when I get up first thing in the morning, I have brain fog. So it's so bad that I fall over when I get up. I get up out of the bed. I don't really know where I'm at. It takes me about two and a half hours to come out of it. Um, I usually can't have a conversation first thing in the mornings. I'm, I'm completely disabled now, so I can't work full time anymore. I'm actually on disability now. Um, never thought I'd ever be there. I don't work law enforcement anymore. I'm actually a concert photographer. Um, I'm, I'm a rock music fan. So that was my life was my career. We had taken off in the music industry, going to concerts and taking photos. I had gotten an album. I had been involved in a whole bunch of marketing stuff. And um, this happened and it stopped. Mm. Um, I don't remember my camera settings on my camera. So if, if, if I go shoot a show when I feel like I can, because I want to feel normal, I do it to feel normal. Um, mm-hmm. You will see me fiddling with my camera because I don't remember my settings. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep something with me that tells mm-hmm. me how to set my camera now. Um, the blood clots and bleeding every day, every day, never stops. Explain that. So where's the bleeding? <laughs> Uh, it's anally. It's every day, every oh. day. Large and it's coming like from your, it, 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 like your stomach and just everywhere internally. We don't know. We don't, don't know. know. So I went and had a colonoscopy um, and I've had two actually. And she does have, she has no idea. But oh. weirdest thing while I was in there, I was talking to one of the anesthesiologists and I said, what is going on here? <laughs> what is going on? This is crazy. I said, have you, have you seen an increase of this? Yes. But we don't talk about it. Oh, my God. Why? We will lose our jobs and we will lose our licenses and certifications. Fear, 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 fear. Yeah. This entire thing, has it's been fear and lack of and, and refusal to think critically, which is and driven by the fear. Only doctor. The only, mm-hmm. That's not the only doctor or nurse that I've talked to. Because yeah. I ask everywhere I go now, it is my, it is, it's taken over my entire existence of finding out information of Okay, are you vaccine injured? <laughs> you know, I just found out the other day that my niece is vaccine. This is my sister's child. Oh no. My niece is vaccine injured. Oh no. She didn't even realize that she was, but I said, Brooke, look at the timeline when things started happening. Mm-hmm. Look at what you're going through now. And you never went through this before until you took that Moderna shot. Mm-hmm. Look at look at what's happening. And she it was like an aha moment. Now she's mm-hmm. in our support group. Oh, good. Um, so she's getting help. And, okay. Yeah. And, but it mentally, mentally, 
it is it is screwing people up. It's mm-hmm. causing psychosis. It's causing depression and anxiety, suicidal thoughts, people that you would never even dream of even being suicidal. I myself have even been there. Mm-hmm. I'm scared there are days I won't wake up. And then there's, um, there are days that I say, Lord, go ahead and take me. Because it's it's people don't understand how difficult people say, oh, well, people who got COVID were worse. They got over COVID. (laughs) You get it. It's gone. I go through this every day, every day. And when I roll over and have tremors in the bed Mm -hmm. and my boyfriend sees how bad it is. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up and says, do you think it might be the fibromyalgia that's causing this? Mm. So he doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. So those things like that, where they've torn us apart from each other, mm-hmm. is horrendous. It mm-hmm. is horrendous. It has driven people apart. It's it's caused relationships and families to be torn apart. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I go where the facts and the evidence is. I will I will pull it apart until I figure exactly what the evidence is, and I have. And Good this is you. not a, it's not a conspiracy. It's no. fraud. It's greedy people that all they want is the money and as many people as you can make sick and kill that's what they're going to do because guess what you get more money killing somebody in a hospital than you do making them well and for them to admit it at this stage i mean how do you how do you admit that you've harmed so many people and you continue to harm you know even here in tennessee where we're you know a, a pretty free state our department of health is is captured um, the medical system is captured, and our um, State Department of Health just gave a pharmacist association $7.75 million to increase vaccination rates. So we're still trying to figure out how we're going to go after that. You know, we're going to follow that ridiculous route. I'm sure the legislators here have no idea that this is being done. Um, so Javier, I'm hoping to put you and Kat together like off air. And I'm hoping maybe you can help somebody to a either find her a walk in hyperbaric chamber near her or (laughs) some (laughs) some sort of magic trick, you know, to help her get over her claustrophobia when she's in there so that she can do it. Absolutely. I I feel the anxiety right now just talking about it. I I hear you. Yeah. And you don't you don't want that. My mother was that way. I wanted toward the end of my mom's life. I wanted her to do H button. And she went to the clinic to this wonderful doctor that I know. She took one look at it and said, no, I no way. Yeah. um, It's bad. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, though, and you know, we don't have to dwell a, a lot on this, but um, like there might be other oxidative therapies, Javier, that might be helpful. Maybe I don't know if any of the the ozone therapies or other oxygen related therapies might be helpful that don't require. There are, there are, um, and they can hit some of the symptoms, uh, you know, infrared, uh, radi- infrared therapies, uh, are helpful, but hyperbarics really just hits all of it at the same time. Yeah. Uh, glutathione supplementation, mm-hmm. NAC, uh, and acetylcysteine, I'm on all of that. Yeah. You're on okay. all of that. I mean, FLCCC protocol. Yeah. Good. Good. One thing, one thing I also tried. noticed with a lot of us is that we have um, we have Epstein-Barr virus now. And people say, right. well, you've had mono before. No, I've never had mono. How do you explain to babies and the children that have it now? 
Epstein My question Barr, is, what did they put in the shot to give us all? Did, did they just like mesh it all together and just like throw a bunch of stuff together and say, here's a vaccine? Heavy metals. Yeah. Yeah. Epstein Barr is part of our, is sometimes incorporated into our own genome. So it'll actually cause the virus to become activated at some point. So, so she might have been exposed to it, dealt with it fine because her immune system was strong. But as soon as yeah. her immune system is not strong, it becomes activated. And that's, but that's where I wonder, because like if you go to VAERS and you look at open VAERS also, you see babies and toddlers with EBV. And, you know, they've never had access to it. They don't. You know, oh. It's a kissing disease. It's, you know, mono, high school, whatever. <laughs> That that right there makes me really think, what have they done and put in this that ch children, toddlers now have EBV? Yeah. We, we need Judy Mikovits on the show to answer that question. She's, she, amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. Contamination. She she had that one like cartoon that was like a big um, mouserator and it showed like the mice going in and being ground up to make a, a culture mm -hmm. for growing vaccines <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to gross you out here. No, that's okay. It sounds about right. Yeah. You know, people don't understand that Pfizer paid the largest criminal fine in history mm. for right. a vaccine. And it was at Nigeria, Africa, where they killed a bunch of children. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. I mean, more than 10 times have they paid fines. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, these. It, I, <laughs> Yeah, no words at times, but you know, yeah. but we're awake now. And mm -hmm. I, I say over and over, I'm, I, I hate that anybody's been harmed by this whole COVID mess, but the corruption was so systemic. It took something as big, as big as COVID to reveal the global systemic corruption and capture of all aspects of the medical industry. Right. Um, and, and we're awake now and we're getting louder. And, you know, we've got this uh, in its fledgling stages, but we're starting Operation Lion at Informed Choice Washington, mm -hmm. trying to, you know, as um, uh, Dr. Robert Malone quoted a famous philosopher that said, truth is like a lion, set it free and it will defend itself. And they know that. They, yeah. That's why censorship and shadow banning and all of that is going on. Um, this is streaming right now to Facebook and there's probably two people watching it. And. And we so, are constantly banned and, yeah. and censored on Facebook. And that's, and if you don't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, we created a uncensored platform on trial site news groups. Yes. Yeah. Tell um, us about that. Yes. So we're working with uh, the owner of trial site news. Um, he's given us a platform to create this group. And the good thing about it is it's on its own server. It can't be taken down. So you can't have Google or MSN or any of those people, you know, taking us off off air, essentially. So the group is for people who are vaccine injured, those that didn't take it, supporters that want to come in. But we're creating a platform where you'll have resources, telehealth, crisis intervention, connection to organizations, treatment options, all of that information will be there. Um, wow. And so we're 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 rolling it out slowly. We want to do it methodically and do it right. Um, but we're, we're trying our best to support as many people as we can, because if we don't, there's so many people that can't reach us on Facebook. They can't mm -hmm. reach us to get to us. Mm -hmm. And we've had problems where people have committed suicide because they can't get anyone. 
Yeah. Because they're shadow banned. I've got several in my group right now that are suicidal and I keep a watch on them closely. I contact them weekly or daily to make sure that they're okay. Um, I I've, like I said, even myself have felt so desperate. That's why I created my support group was because I felt so desperate. I didn't have the help and support I needed. So I'll be darned if I'm going to let other people suffer like this. So thank you to Trial Site News for working with us to create this and supporting us the way they do. They, their hearts are so big. Oh, that's so And great. everybody else that's worked with the CC has been amazing. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Kat, I, thank you. Thank you for sharing your journey. And, you know, um, around here in the, in the deep, it's not quite the deep South, I guess, Tennessee, whatever part of the South, but a lot of people like to say, um, you know, you were made for times such as these. And, you know, I, I, I hate that, that what you've experienced, but my goodness, you were called to help these people. You were woken up and brought here. And what you are doing just blows me away, really. I know. I mean, because, you. you know, President Form Trace Washington, I'm on the leadership of Tennessee Coalition for Vaccine Choice. You know, I work with CHD. I do all, a lot of like uh, other stuff. And I, so I truly understand how much work it is to to get these organizations going to get the volunteers to figure out who needs to do what to you have these great ideas but how do you implement them how do you keep them going and then how do you let the people who need to know about them know about it i this is really um very challenging what you're doing and yet you're doing it this is this is the power of you guys and i feel blessed to know you and and do reach out. Consider that you've got another another friend here. You well, need somebody you. to talk to. Can't get any of the phone. You call Bernadette. <laughs> um, my cell phone's off at night. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get you a home phone or something. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> those odd hours. But oh my goodness, I just I want to reach out and hug the two of you there. Um, so we've got trial site news. Now you said it's being set up. Is there a place people can sign up now to be alerted yes. when it's okay? So if they go to trial site news groups, um, you'll see it on there. It's vaccine injury support group. Um, and I so can the, give y'all the link to put on the site as well, but uh, oh, you just go great. there and, and when you go up to the top, it says sign in and then you just choose whatever type of sign in method that you want to, whether it's through Google or Facebook okay. or email. Okay. Um, so it's it's all one word it. trials trial, trial site news.com mm-hmm. and I see Correct. groups there and I can click them. There's the COVID vaccine injury support group. Is that the that's one? It. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um oh there's there's several though. There's also a COVID vaccine bereaved support. Yeah. React 19, yeah. the React 19 yeah. people. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yes. Okay. Um Wow, there's so it's set up and ready to go. You can post in there now. You can write articles. Um, You can, you know, put information in there. And but as we go, we're building the resources at the top. It's uh, because it's its own server site. It's something that they're having to build you know, themselves and make it secure. So, and there's a lot of implementations, a lot of information, a lot of people to connect with. Mm -hmm. We're working with doctors, Dr. Bain, um, who works with CC and them. He's a, love Dr. Bain. We probably talk 
17 times a week now. Me too. <laughs> he is amazing. Um, he is amazing. But he's one of the doctors that fought, and probably Cece could talk more about this, that fought the in the court system to save mm -hmm. several of his patients through giving them ivermectin. Oh, um, wow. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. But um, we're uh, we're working with a lot of resources to to get it pulled together, and you know, hopefully soon we'll have they'll have an app soon where people can log in through an app. Um, but Which is it's a work in a whole, progress. I, I love that this whole parallel system outside of the main system, and this is where it all needs to go. So, and Carolyn, tell us again <clears throat> the website address for the, the former Fed's Humanity um, Betrayal Project and where people can go? Um, for all of our projects, you can go to formerfeds.org. But if you have a, short, a story to tell, um, you can go to chbmp.org um, and click on Document My Story. Then mm -hmm. one of our interviewers will be in touch with you to schedule your interview. Um, you can also just go on there to look at all the stories. Um, they're like I said, they're they're very hard to watch. I cried all during Kat's interview. I mean, they're just they're they're just horrifying. And but you will see a pattern um, happening all across the country with either the jabs or the hospital protocols. Um, mm -hmm. And you know we have to we have to wake people up and we have to stop this and break down these corrupt institutions and start over because you know we can't just let I can't whistle past the concentration camp anymore. You. We just, yeah. It's 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 too much. It's too much suffering. It's too much, you know, death at our in our on our own soil by our own mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. um, we have children now. We have children that are going through this now. Yeah, it's not just adults and elderly people. Children and people well, that like people that are trying to make a, a, a what is the word I'm looking for? They're trying to make a, a statement by giving their kids vaccines now or this shot. Sorry, not a vaccine shot. The shot now saying, oh look, it's good. My kid is, you know, she's having some side effects, but you know what? We're going to keep doing this. It's, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, it's brainwashing yeah. at its finest. Then yeah. We'll have to stop and, it. Rendesivir, it kills, I mean, it shuts down your kidneys. It's been proven to do that in, in the Ebola studies, you know, killed 54% of the, of the patients in those studies. And now they approved it for 28 day old babies. Tell I mean, us about the remdesivir mm -hmm. lawsuit that you have now. Well, we have, um, Many lawsuits going that are for individual cases, but there's a class action um, being um, prepared against Gilead, against Remdesivir, and they found a way around the immunities. Um, Meyer and Shear, um, you can go to their website, MeyerandShear.com, and if you have a story about Remdesivir, there's a confidential form, or you can go to our website because we're working closely with them. Um, anybody that gets remdesivir that shares their story on our um, platform, I send to them to get you into the class action. They're filing one at the state level and then um, a national one for everybody to be in because, I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of people that got remdesivir and had kidney failure or multi-organ failure over mm -hmm. and over again. Both my parent, I mean, my husband's um, and uncle, both remdesivir died. Um, it, it's, it's, I fought very hard to get them out of the hospital. The hospitals are prisons now. You're not patients. You can't get out once you're in because people are like, why don't you just leave? They won't let you. Um, it, it, they got to get their money first. And, you know, they push, push the ventilator. They push, push these sedatives. And then you're stuck and you've got nobody mm -hmm. to advocate for you. 
it's it's just horrific. You just got to stay out of the hospital. You got to get your hands on some ivermectin. Um, I take I've been taking it every week since December 2020, and I've never felt better actually. And I'm I'm around. I'll take a right up to COVID person. I'm just here. You go. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I personally referred over 600 people to use the FLCCC protocol, and they've all been better within 24 hours. So you can't tell mm-hmm. me that that's a coincidence either. Yeah. Yeah. And we need more states to follow what we did here in Tennessee and, and get ivermectin yes. available over the counter um, after consultation from a pharmacist. Um, and not they're not all doing it, but I think we've got, I don't know, about maybe 20 pharmacies or so now throughout the state that you can get it. And there are other pl- ways to, to get ivermectin now too. Nobody, they're not giving up. There's still... Um, a great organization, been around for uh, more than a year now. I forget when they get myfreedoctor.com. Dr. Ben Marble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, that's a great that's service. That's where I got mine from. Yeah. Yeah, myfreedoctor.com. Dr. Pierre Corey now has a website and with online telemedicine. And then there's the one uh, Dr. Peter McCullough started, the the wellness company, mm-hmm. the wellness company. Um, and there's there's more coming. So it looks like we're just about out of time. Um, Kat Parker and Carolyn Blakeman, I'm so grateful for you, for you, for your being brave, sharing your journeys and stepping up and doing what it takes. So you're, you're in our prayers and in our thoughts and, and Kat, before you go, check the messages there because it looks like you're giving you some Awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be in contact uh, in case you need any any help or uh, need to answer any questions uh, with with any local hyperbarics. I've heard it works great on our okay. other victim. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to take a break. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one-world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. 
www.healthyimmunity.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me love. We need a revolution. Hello and welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. So glad you could be here this afternoon. I hope you were able to hear that first hour with those just two amazing women that experienced tragedy and are turning what they went through into the most positive action, energy, and hope. I'm just so uh, so honored to know them and uh, look forward to working with them um, as things progress to help be part of their network of getting the information out there, getting the stories out there, and helping people find the help that they need. Um, and I believe we've got Javier here this second hour. Hopefully he's coming back to uh, to join us. And we've also got Dr. Turner coming on. He's running a little bit behind. So hopefully he's won't be too long. And in the meantime, I'm kind of here talking to myself. I didn't realize that, that I wasn't going to have, I don't know where my, my Javier went. So, huh, what are we going to talk about? Um, let's, let's, um, let's begin while we're waiting for Dr. Turner to talk about the fear that keeps coming forward. And the latest one is, is the RSV um, because RSV is, has been around for a while. It hasn't been around forever. It's not like an infection. It's not like the flu or coronavirus, uh, you know, common cold or the measles or mumps, but um, from what I'm hearing, RSV came around in the 40s or 50s, and perhaps Javier um, knows the details a bit better than I, but I believe it is human created in some way that it was part of, I don't remember if it was part of some contamination of vaccines, but is definitely systemic in society now. It's uh, endemic, I guess it's, I should say, in society now. And it can be a very serious disease. Most children get it um, by the time they're two years old. And most children do fine with it. And they emerge with, with strong immunity, um, very strong, durable, long-lasting, acquired immunity, which is generally how natural immunity is. And there's Javier. Glad you joined us. Um, it's, it's always harder to do the show if you're just looking at the camera and there's not the other person to look at. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've told this story before that I have, uh, years ago, I spoke with a, a vaccine researcher who had done some studies on RSV, and it turns out there isn't a correlative protection between antibody levels in the, in the babies and the children and infection or severe disease. And 
really what's important is environmental factors, not being exposed to secondhand smoke or outdoor cooking smoke, like a, some of these places where RSV tends to be more severe or are in poor parts of the world where people are cooking on open flames and burning whatever they can find, you know? Um, nutrition isn't good. So why, why are they pursuing um, a vaccine for something that will boost antibodies, but there's not, it's not necessarily going to do anything. And in fact, at the last ACIP meeting, I don't know if you watched the last ACIP meeting, some of the presentations. Yes. And again, I, I still can't believe that they're actually using antibodies as a proxy. I mean, that is one of the most disingenuous and poor public policy choices that have ever been made in terms mm -hmm. of of that. And I can see that Dr. Turner just uh, turned is, is in right now. Oh, wonderful. So um, we're going to be returning over the next couple of weeks to the subject of RSV. There's more here. Before we bring on Dr. Turner, I do encourage listeners, if you want to know um, good effective treatments for COVID flu and RSV, the wonderful um, COVID-19 Frontline, I can never say it all together. F L C C C. Dr. American Corey and the gang, um, they have protocols on their website. They're they just continue to follow the science, follow the data, follow the needs of the people, and present to you choices to prevent infection and to prevent severe disease. So check out the flccc.net protocols and um, and they're working on it. So there's no need to fear. You know, help is on the way. Help is on the way. <laughs> you remember that, um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Um, so um, let's go ahead um, and bring on Dr. Michael Turner. Um, Javier, you're the one who discovered um, Dr. Turner for us. Yeah, I believe his blog post and you were blown away. And so you said, we've got to get this guy on our show. <laughs> <laughs> And what's, what's interesting is that I had no idea. Well, I, I, I've heard of Dr. Turner before uh, being part of the medical community in, in the Puget Sound area. But mm -hmm. for some reason, I didn't make the connection that, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> well, area. welcome. Yeah. Welcome, Dr. Turner to an Informed Life Radio. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be delightful. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and it looks like, so you've been, you were working late, you're still in your scrubs there, or is it just a nice pink shirt? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I had a kind of a patient care situation that went a little bit long today. So yes, I'm a real practicing doctor, you know, I don't just play one on TV or on the internet, so to speak. So I was there uh, wrapping some things up, but today was kind of my casual Friday. So this is, this is my peak shirt look that you're getting here. Um, I actually usually never wear a white coat. I'm more like a GQ style that I try to bring uh, to the yeah. clinic when I need to. But this is my casual day. Yeah. Oh, good. And and I'm just going to do a little technical thing real quick. Do you happen to have within hand close by some earbuds you could use? To, and we might be able to improve the quality of our sound a little bit. Oh, you've got oh, a uh, microphone. <laughs> I've got a If I can get this thing to work right, maybe um, that'll even be a lot better here. Let's just see. Yeah, I'll let you go ahead and kind of fiddle with that. Um, while you get sure. that set up, yeah? Did you already get it turned on? Yeah. Yeah. Let me try to get this set up for you and we can get some better audio. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, he, uh, Nathan is giving directions to go to your StreamYard settings and work on that. 
So while you do that a little okay. bit there, um, Dr. Turner, I'm going to Javier and Javier and I will return to the the subject of of RSV. Um, I wanted to know, Javier, if you know about the origins of it, because I've read here and there that it's not it's something that might have originated from a lab at some point, that it was part of a contamination. Are you familiar with that? Um, uh, I haven't heard. Uh, you know, the only thing I've heard about respiratory syncytial virus has been the last two years, and yeah. I haven't dug into it. You know, and you've got a couple of little kids. It wasn't anything that was brought to your attention. Well, we had one child in our neighborhood that actually had to be had to be put, placed in the in the uh, uh, pediatric ICU um, with with RSV. Uh, so, it, and it's something that's been going around the country that's gotten a lot of attention. But what's mm-hmm. interesting is that I remember right before or right during the uh, the pandemic, right before they were starting to roll out the uh, the shots. They were talking about RSV is going to be a major problem. We see it as a major problem coming up. They saw it in the clinical trials. They saw an elevated number of cases of RSV, and they knew to keep an eye on it. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I've heard a couple of doctors interviewed saying they're not quite sure if it's if it's just exposure to the vaccine, um, if it's the vaccine that is or shot that is compromising their immune system in such a way it makes them less able to recover from it. Um, or part of it might also be all the lockdowns and the isolation they did of children for so long that we're just getting this natural spike now because kids are supposed to be swimming in germs in a, you know, in a regular amount, you know, in, in order to keep their immune system strong. And this whole idea of we're going to just take a handful of them and protect you from those and, and then lock you down to everything else. It, it, it that's not, we're microbial creatures. That's just not going to, it's not going to cut it. So um, Dr. Turner, let's see if we can hear you now. Sure. How's this sounding? sounding better? Oh my goodness. Way Much better. better. Way better. Yes. Um, okay. Okay. Time. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Javier, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and take the lead. This doctor was your discovery. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the honor. <laughs> so one of the things that, um, one of, one of the great things about Substack is that there's so many people in the community that uh, talk to each other and post things. And so I discovered your Substack uh, via the, uh, the recommendations on it. And uh, I was very uh, curious at the time, well, still curious at the time, um, that, uh, you know, how is it that you can, or what was the process of actually uh, becoming aware or, uh, you know, question some of the things that were happening um, as part of what's been going on for the past two years? And, you know, what, what, was, what were some of the aha moments for you? And you you wrote you wrote beautifully. You wrote from uh, I think a place of deep uh, um, uh, deep love, but also a deep humility as well. Uh, coming from you know being being an MD and having to go through what you went through. So I'll stop right there and uh, give you the floor. Well, thank you. That's that's kind. I mean, I'm glad that the article article was meaningful for you, and and I hope that. In- being encouraged by other people as, as well. I wrote in a way that would be respectful and, you know, engaging and something you could share with, with your friends, for, for example, who are on the fence on the, on the issue or maybe haven't even, even started to consider it. And so 
that was my hope with it. That, but yeah, to your question, you know, I started it off with in the in the pandemic a degree of optimism uh, as far as the medical establishment, uh, credulity, you know, no hope, faith that we would pull pull together and find sensible Turner, approaches to this. Yeah. yeah, I I apologize for interrupting, but we're getting a doubling of your voice, and um, the producer's asking if you could kind of refresh. So maybe kind of exit and then come back in and see if we can get that to clear up. I'm sorry. Yeah, just sometimes the technical difficulties here, it's, um, we get plagued with it, but absolutely, we'll, we'll get it sorted out. I was just pulling up on my computer over here, the Defender article about RSV. Um, I, where did they have that? Because the... We have our first RSV emergency is being declared as Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline race to get the vaccines approved. And just seeing all of this, they've been trying to to develop these shots for for decades, really. And it's just concerning that we're seeing again the pattern of driving the fear. And again, it's a serious disease. We don't want anybody harmed from it. We don't want any children harmed by it. But FLCCC. Um, has got some protocols, just, you know, there's no need to fear, just arm yourself with facts and learn. Okay, Dr. Turner, let's see if we can get this working. How are you sounding now? Hey, um, um, how am I sounding? I sound? I hope pretty clear. Is it coming through? Um, it's it's coming a little through. bit, it's coming through, but um, it, it's not perfect yet, but let, let's go ahead and give it a, give it a go. Give it a I'll, go. Okay. And then, and before you start, uh, you know, give give your give a little background of who you are and what do you do, uh, so that they that they that people know, you know, are you you know are you a real doctor or not and all that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, let's see. Okay, I got my mic set up. Okay, all right. Um, my background, interestingly, before I went to medical school, I was a school te teacher. So I purposefully took years off before I went to medical school between undergrad and med school. And uh, in, in that very much, I was a classroom teacher full time. First year was fifth grade and, and uh, second year was the seventh and eighth grade science. So, so that forms a lot of who I, who I am you know, as a physician. And then I always had an interest in health and wellness. I grew up in California in the Bay Area. It was a pretty healthy, healthy climate. My mom was essentially a hippie and a natural foods person, you know, from the, in the 60s and 70s. So when I grew up, I couldn't eat sugary cereal and I had to, to eat broccoli and liver every so often, <laughs> things like that. So, so as I went through medical school, I was like that weird, weird guy who had you know, Zog bags of supplements tucked in my scrubs pocket, okay, that I would take during the day. Or uh, if I was overnight in the hospital, uh, in the break room, I'd be, be doing yoga poses, okay, that kind of thing. So, so. Well, Mike, why, why aren't our, that, that, doctors are interested in health. I mean, I don't, why weren't you the norm instead of the outlier? That's what I want to know, because we need what you are to be the norm. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good, point. good question. So, so I continued, and when I got to medical school, I was thankful. I went to Harvard. I mean, it was, I mean, it was extraordinary, as you might, you might imagine. Estimates from all, all over the world, people who were road scholars, people who grew up in refugee camps in Palestine, you know, guys who were immigrants from where, wherever, you know, you know, just it was a fantastic group. And in fact, 
footnote inside information here. Um, Dr. Latipo, Joseph Latipo, current Surgeon General. Are you familiar with, with him? Yeah, of Florida, you betcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Gotten a lot of national press. Well, he was actually in my my same year at Harvard Medical Medical School. We were we lived in the dorm together. In fact, I used to play basketball with that guy two three times a week. <laughs> and he, they actually have have med societies, and he was and he was in my smart medical society. So we studied all the time. We chit chatted, uh, and whatnot. so it's kind of, kind of amazing now. Now, for so here we are, are yeah. you know, in a similar position in the midst of pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's short answer yeah. that that. Uh -huh. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm you're still we're getting echo echo doubling of your voice, and I'm I'm just so enjoying what you're saying, but we're not able to hear yeah. you properly. Um, the engineers or producers wondering if you could switch browsers, possibly. What browser are you using? And if you could go over, I hate to say Google, but Google works best with this. If you've got I can it, do if that. not, they also they they all said here maybe. Don't 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 try the internal microphone microphone is the computer again so i can go back to the computer's microphone okay uh, that's a good idea yeah Let's we'll give that, that a try thanks our listeners okay. for your patience i know you want to hear this guy as much as we do he's uh he's got a great journey here and a great energy and we we want to make sure that you really get to hear what he has to say you know javier i feel like he represents the future of medicine and i know i've just met him and i've only done a little bit of reading the background of him but just what he said about the fact that when he entered law school or medical school he was he was the odd man out with vitamins in his pocket and doing yoga on his break and you know it it's always annoyed me that in hospital settings, when you go, often you find, you'll see the nurses stand, and I apologize, I don't mean to be picking on, on nurses, but in my personal experience, they'll be standing around and they're eating Cheetos and donuts and, and just, you know, and a lot of weight issues in this environment. Um, you're not seeing healthy people a lot of times in the medical industry. That's a huge problem, right? And um, we've got to somehow figure out how medicine and health get reconnected. <laughs> they have been disconnected. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so Dr. Turner, with him bringing his health attitudes into his education, and then what we're already hearing is the fact that he's staying open-minded and a critical thinker, yep. you know, um, and hopefully we're going to get it back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when we do, we were, you know, we're going to hear how he, he faced one of the hardest things there is to face. I've, I've heard Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Paul Merrick and Peter McCullough and others talk about when they began to realize that the whole system was asking them to do things that didn't make sense, that weren't vetted, and it made them begin to see corruption here and there, and to even then, in hindsight, look back at where they came from. Yep. And then to have the medical boards and medical boards on every state go after doctors that did not toe the line, mm -hmm. that is something that we're seeing more and more often. And again, one of the things that is, is just incredible to, to see is how consistently it's been. Happening. Yeah. 
Yeah, Sorry. it's been it's been consistent and and but they're not being they're not allowing themselves to be silenced. They're they're paving the way. Um, were your ears burning as you were trying to get adjusted? Because we were we were just celebrating who you are, Dr. Turner, even though we just met you. Um, <laughs> oh, you guys are so kind. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to go with it. And, you know, I promise we're going to have you on um, another time um for uh, more conversations so if we don't get good quality out of this recording you know you're going to get an, another shot or two um on this show because what you have to say is important so you you left off where did we leave oh, one, before we go on yeah if, if you go to your settings there should be an echo cancellation button on the audio for Streamyard. okay okay yeah let's not that. thank okay. you it's on okay it's on it looks like it's on. okay Okay, so yeah, we're still we're still having the problems, but there's nothing we can do about it now. So <laughs> let's let's do the best we can. Okay. We'll just we'll muddle through. It's okay, no problem. I'll, yeah, I'm gonna make one fi final adjustment. I'm gonna go off off of this this special mic back back to my computer. I can just see if that'll be okay. Off Sorry about that. No problem. You tell me. Is this any better? It's yes, you're not doubled. So let's go for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, this is gonna be better. Okay, lovely. Here we are. Great. So picking up our story, we have me and the current Surgeon General of Florida playing basketball and studying at Harvard. Okay, uh, you know, 20 years ago, back in our in our youth, and who knew we'd be here in the middle of this pandemic, right? It's like so ironic. And in fact, I actually reached out to him uh, about four or five months ago before he was Surgeon General. He was in LA. And I, I reached out, I texted him, I said, Joe, how you doing? I said, my practice has taken off up here with COVID. Maybe we could work together, do some telemedicine, help see patients or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And he, he very politely texted back. He's like, I'd love to, Mike. I think what you're doing is great. He goes, I got some things uh, in play right now. I can't really talk about it, but I have to politely, respectfully decline, you know? So he left <laughs> me hanging and then... <laughs> <laughs> Next yeah. thing I know, his face is all over the news, and he's getting announced as Surgeon General. You know, so that's awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll let him do that. But, yeah, yeah. I I love that. <laughs> so that was a good year at Harvard, huh? Was he the other odd man out with vitamins in his pocket too? Ah, good, good question. He was a little <laughs> different in his own way. I don't think he was. <laughs> he wasn't quite as naturalistic maybe as I was there, but you know, he was a tremendous athlete. In fact, in college, he was a decathlete for Wake Forest division one school. And oh, so wow. I remember he was like the athletic phenom. We had a, Oh yeah. We had intramural Olympics and like Joe was the guy you wanted on your side on the Olympics. Cause like whatever the sport or the event was, I mean, he was strong. He could jump. He was a division one decathlete for crying out loud. So I remember he was extraordinary athletic and always, uh, Really kind of soft-spoken and humble. Just had a great demeanor. Very friendly guy. You know, everybody liked him. Uh, and and really a lot of integrity would be a good word for him as well. So that's a little anecdote, a little behind the scenes there. So, yeah, that's a little bit of my background. And then, well, moving forward towards, towards currently, you know, so I finished at Harvard. I went to the Mayo Clinic for my residency, which was great. I enjoyed that. My field was physical medicine and rehabilitation. Um. I am a physiatrist, so to speak, then, by that medical designation. And so I work a lot with rehabilitating people uh, from different kinds of injuries. Could be anything as severe as a stroke or brain injury or more along the lines of something orthopedic like 
you know, hip arthritis, rotator cuff, et cetera. So I came to Washington straight out of Mayo Clinic. I was recruited to work at a neuroscience center here in our fair town in Washington State, which who knew I would end up liking Washington this much as well. It's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> um, I thought it's probably too rainy. It's probably too gray. It's probably too liberal. And it's probably not a great place to raise my kids. And uh, But then I actually came and visited here. And it, I'm, I'm in a different part of Washington, as you, as you may know, Tri-Cities, Washington. So it's a little bit different than that stereotype that I just laid out. Um, and I still love Seattle and Puget Sound for plenty of reasons. Don't get me wrong. I actually love to go to Puget Sound and kind of just I want to explore more of all the islands up there. It's fascinating to me. But in any case, ended up in Washington at a neuroscience center. And it, it worked out well for me and my family. Um, but to the question of, I guess, finally, you know, what my current practice is and how I got involved in all this. Right. So. I, I have an integrative medicine practice. I resigned from the Neuroscience Center and went into business for myself. Again, to build on my naturalistic emphasis, I was talking a lot with patients about hormones, health and wellness, different kinds of topics. And so did that in 2020. And interestingly enough, that was just months before COVID really hit, right? So I launched my practice in January 2020. Things picked up a lot in spring, as you all know. And so it was fortuitous timing. Um, in, in that sense, I had the freedom at that point then being uh, working for myself to really treat patients according to my conscience, to make dictates and decisions, right, according to the medical evidence, et cetera. So I was in a unique position of autonomy, and I thank God for that, frankly. So that can that set me up very well as we went through COVID, and I started to see at first patients coming saying, I have COVID, what do I do about it, right? Doctors really aren't mentioning anything other than stay at home till you get so sick, you got to go to the hospital. That doesn't sound like a great paradigm, obviously. Uh, and, and then I had a, and then I had a patient tell me about ivermectin and say, "Have you looked into ivermectin?" So this gets at your first turning point, right? You talked about turning points. This was turning point number one. I was like, "Ivermectin? Hmm. Haven't heard about that since medical school. We learned about it in tropical medicine class. It kills some parasites. Can be pretty effective." What are you saying? It has to do with COVID. Oh, well, you should check out this guy, Dr. Corey. He was all over the internet and in this group called FLCCC. So I hit on FLCCC. I looked at their protocols. I was suitably impressed. I uh, became enthusiastic about the idea. So then the next the next logical step is, let me, Mrs. Smith, you have COVID. Hmm, let's call Walgreens and get you a prescription for ivermectin. Oh, wait, that can't happen, right? Because the FDA just sent a letter to all the pharmacists and told them, you know, it's uh, basically poor care to be distributing ivermectin for COVID. And you can't do that, which is the same thing to do with hydroxychloroquine. So we can talk about that, but key turning point number one in my mind, something was really amiss was this uh, mass suppression and antagonism towards something that was scientifically credible. And I actually have to say that that has cost lives. I've known that personally. There's a, a personal friend of mine was a lady in her early 60s in great shape, hiked, skied, kayak, did all of that. She got sick with COVID. She reached out to me. She's such a close personal friend. She didn't even go to her quote unquote doctor. She's like, Mike, take care of me. I said, I'd be glad to, no problem. If we could have put through the ivermectin to the corner pharmacy, she would be alive today. Instead, what did I have to do? I had to use one of my mail order compounding pharmacies. Yes, out of Gig Harbor, Washington. This thing got lost in the mail. No joke. We recall the pharmacy, get them to send it. As this time is going by, I'm out of town on vacation. She deteriorates. Her son panics, takes her to the ER. I get a phone call from the ER after she's admitted, and she's like, I'm really not doing well. I'm struggling. I really don't want to be here. But they say that they're just going to give me a couple little treatments, and I should be out soon. 
And I'm like, okay, and uh, hang in there. You're going to be all right. Meanwhile, the ivermectin showed up now, round attempt number two. It showed up. It was in her son's possession, but he couldn't get it to her because she was in the hospital. And so I'm like, just stabilize. Just get out of the hospital. We'll get you some ivermectin. And parenthesis, another part of this story, as she was deteriorating and I was on vacation, I said, look, uh, she had a sister. I said, go to Ranch and Home, which is a, a feed store. And I said, get some horse ivermectin you know, dose it under her tongue. Here's a reputable brand, right? Like this desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm trying to save her life. And so we did. And she rallied until they ran out of it at the local feet ranch and home as well. And then she dropped off and then the hospital. Yeah. Unbelievable story. We couldn't get her the med. And then she got remdesivir and then she basically died of kidney failure. Her, her son said she just blew up. She got all swollen. Her heart and kidney started failing. She never had any internal organs problems before. She was the picture of health. And she died, and Ivermectin was sitting at home in her son's possession. There's multiple people to fault and be upset about in that whole chain of terrible events, right? But in my mind, it's, it begins with that corner pharmacy. This, should, this problem should have been solved. Yeah. Yeah, She'd the be alive FDA. Yeah. 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 It's, it's and uh, is her family um, have they acknowledged that it was likely the remdesivir treatment, and do they know about the lawsuits going on that they could potentially join in? Good question. I don't think so. Thank you for mentioning it. I can pass that on to them. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, in retrospect, uh, around the time of her funeral, the son did reach out to us and say, "I made a mistake." Um, basically taking mom to the hospital. I panicked. I should have kept her at home. We should have kept on the protocol that you were doing and we should have been using this ivermectin. And he just, he felt horrible about it as you can imagine. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and how many families, how many individuals like this are, are every day living with that guilt that is not, should not be theirs to bear. Yeah. They were put sure. in a horrible situation. We have a very good friend who was not doing well, was having trouble getting getting the meds, needed some oxygen. And as we were trying from all over um, to rally to get people to his house, get him what he needed, his son, he had like, he was living with his 19 year old son, didn't know what he was like. He got to the point where his dad wasn't just couldn't breathe and he, he was scared. So he gets them in the car and they're driving to the yeah. hospital. And they finally got on the phone, this group that would do telemed. They pull over to the side of the yeah. road. He gets the telemed and then they were able to then phone in the oxygen and supplies that he needed. They turned the car around and went home and he got better. Um, but yes. that poor kid, you know, what do you do? It's scary when you see your loved one not doing well. And these individuals that have to live with having to have make that decision, nobody should have been put in that position. Um no. So my, my prayers for the, the family of the, the woman you knew who was lost because they need our prayers. The families who lost the loved ones, they need our yes. prayers. Um, they're living with a lot. Absolutely. So was this part of uh, this sort of a, uh, I don't know if it was a, an aha or a wake up moment or a, a point where you started questioning what was going on? Yes, it was. That was my first significant wake up moment, right? If, if the public health mechanisms were absolutely clearly invested in getting people better and healthy, why was there this irrational persecution of ivermectin and uh, obvious loss of life on the result of that? Right. So that was the first wake up to kind of question the power structure, so to speak, and uh, question the narrative and such. 
I think the second big turning point for me was understanding the spike protein. So as I was going through understanding and <laughs> treating COVID, you know, it's like, well, why are my COVID patients having these problems? Well, with the spike protein. Okay, well, what is that all about, right? Well, it's a very noxious substance and it causes platelets to uh, degranulate and it causes blood clots and, you know, it provokes inflammation wherever it goes. It travels throughout the body. It's terrible. It's basically, you know, probably the main underlying pathophysiology of COVID. Okay, fair enough. So I'm learning about all that. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm learning about the vaccines. I go, wait, these things create spike protein? Hold on a second. And is it the same spike protein that we're just talking about causing all of these problems in COVID? I mean, you can search PubMed and search COVID and spike proteins, and there's articles to the moon and back about how terrible this thing is and all the damage it does to the body. Wait a second. The vaccines release spike protein? Is it the same? Are you serious? And when I found out that it was and arguably is worse, I just my mouth hit the floor at that point. And then the third, let's just say nail in this coffin, the third real turning point was, okay, we have terrible vaccines. They release spike protein. We know at this point, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this is a noxious substance, damages multiple organ systems in the body, et cetera. It's terrible. Okay, okay. Maybe Could we at least be honest about the carnage that's being caused by the vaccines? And can we do a big mea culpa and a big about face and say we rushed these things prematurely, the data wasn't great, the spike protein was a terrible target for a vaccine, we caused a lot of harm and damage, you know, we perhaps had good intentions because, you know, we're trying to do anything we can to serve COVID, but by the way, we scrapped all that stuff and here's a new generation of better vaccines that are safer and here's why, coming down the pike, let's, let's ask for your renewed hope and trust one more time to get this public health problem under control. The fact that that never even came close to happening was sort of my third wake up, like, I, yeah. I can't follow along with you people anymore, you know, uh, really. Yeah. And, you um, know, the, the doctors that I so admire through all of this have that same, like you're, you're intelligent, you're confident, but you've got some humility there that mea culpa, right? I mean, you, you admitted that, you know, like in your blog post, how at first you were supporting it. And you were excited that people maybe had this this vaccine that could do it. But then as you learn and you figure it out, you but so many in the medical profession, they found they're they're still finding that cognitive dissonance. They can't let go of what they were taught and what they thought they believed and what they told everybody to do. I mean, it, it's probably very soul-shaking to realize that you recommended something that then injured somebody. And yet, if if we don't have people working in medicine like you who are who admit they're human and make mistakes <laughs> and learn, and then um, as they go forward, give the best advice they have based on current knowledge, right? But our our holes, the whole mea culpa. You are so right. We're never going to get that. I can't imagine them ever. We're going to have to have truth and reconciliation style. Yes. events yes. with um, to get through this. And again, uh, you know, one of the things that I'd recommend is uh, you have a subset called health and wellness with Dr. Turner, where you have, where you posted your, your letter. Uh, I'm really curious, you know, when, through this entire process, uh, how has your practice changed? I mean, I know a lot of hospitals and clinics mm -hmm. basically said, if you're unvaccinated, don't show up. And I don't, you know, what, 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 what did you have to institute or change in your practice? 
Yeah, good point. Well, we had to ramp up, first of all, quite a lot. That was an uh, extraordinary time. We were trying to ramp up, provide ivermectin to patients, uh, as well as just full-orb COVID treatment, right? You, you know, Bernadette, you mentioned oxygen, right? We were calling in oxygen left, right, and center. I had like four people on the phones at times, you know, calling and trying to make arrangements. You know, people were gripped by fear. They were often isolated. And to your point, they were told if you're unvaccinated, stay away. Or just generally, if you have COVID, stay out of the office, you know, in, in any case, right? So you had very sick people hanging on by, for, by a thread for their lives at times, right? Trying to find some answers. So what I had to do was scale up and also grow into a telemedicine practice to be able to reach out to people, right? So it became a lot of telemedicine, Zoom phone calls, and figuring out how to work remotely, getting networks of pharmacies together, um, that kind of thing. So it was, it was quite a logistics challenge. And I credit my staff. They were amazing. Um, I'm the public face of it, but behind the scenes are some amazing people who've done a lot of work to enable us to get there. And that's interesting that you mentioned that you had to create your own sort of uh, infrastructure and create your own network throughout all of this. Um, One thing that, uh, excuse me. Um, One thing that amazes me is the lack of responsiveness uh, by the public health sectors in providing uh, guidance or alternatives. I mean, most of what you had to learn was probably through non-governmental sources, I'm, I'm sure. True. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the learning curve is pretty steep and hard when you don't have that sort of infrastructure in place uh, to learn a, about all those things. Um, you know, uh, was there anything in your practice or in your experience that you said, this is probably the most helpful um, resource or this was the most effective therapy or, or best practice that I found? Sure. Well, in general, the FLCCC protocols were the most helpful resource that I've ever found. Um, Dr. McCullough as well has wrote, uh, written a series of very impactful articles that have been downloaded and cited numerous times. Um, and so you can find those online too. So it was Dr. McCullough's articles and FLCCC that largely guided things uh, for me. And yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, here we were, these doctors, sort of fledgling, intrepid group trying to provide active frontline care using all means necessary, do something for patients besides tell them to sit around and get sick enough to go to the hospital like my dear friend. And we had to recreate something from the ground up, literally networks of sympathetic pharmacies, right? Because most pharmacies would not fill the prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, and they would immediately report you to some governing authorities somewhere, you know? And so we we were, it is, and it's a fact. And so we were canvassing for sympathetic pharmacies that would even fill prescriptions for patients, terrible. Um, And just they had to start to band together and had to start to rely on each other and, and learn and grow and, kind of reach into the corners of the internet to find non-censored information to help you really understand what was going on. So it shouldn't have been that hard by any means, right? There should have been, you know, weekly CDC briefings, right? Let's just say, let's just say the equivalent of the fireside chats from FDR, right? Back in the time of national crisis. It's like, let's have a fireside chat. Our country's in the grips of this public health pandemic, but don't, don't fear. Let's not let, you know, fear and anxiety overwhelm the situation itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, kind of a concept. And let's just give you some information and let's empower you. And let's do that every week, right? And let's talk about latest developments and let's have somebody up there translating it into lay language with a nice PowerPoint, et cetera. And we can make little memes and blogs and that thing can all get propagated. And every week we know that our government's helping us deal with this, 
you know, in the most effective way. That would have been phenomenal, right? And then there would have been, you know, public, uh, let's say, professional education modules and conferences you could have gone to, effective treatments for COVID, you know, keeping your patient out of the hospital, you know, dealing with vaccine side effects, you know, et cetera, all that stuff. Yeah. That would have come down, right? There'd be medical conferences to go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if if the facts and truth had been heated, it it could have been just, well, it would have ended so quickly. And, you know, Informed Choice Washington is right with you. Um, I'm sharing here, this is our letter to the Washington State Board of Health, the Secretary of Health. After they denied our petition, we petitioned the Board of Health to convene a committee of of doctors who were on the front lines, who had developed protocols that worked, and to so that this information could not only be shared um, with each other, with these medical practitioners, but shared with the public to um, to ease fears and help everybody get yes. through this. And they told us when they mm-hmm. were denying it that, oh, that's a great idea, but it's not in our wheelhouse. And really the federal government should be doing that. But of course the federal government's not gonna do it. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we wrote them a response about all their reasoning for why they shouldn't do it, at, you know, didn't make any sense. It was, it was so appalling. Um, and they just said, well, you guys can go share that information. And I, and, you know, we're like, um, yeah, in the midst of censorship and shadow banning, you want this tiny little nonprofit to go do your work, to go do public health work for you. No, um, but I wish we had known you then. I'm so glad we know you now. But this is what we need public health to be. And right now it's vaccines, 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 vaccines. They cannot talk about vitamin D. Why can't the Secretary of Health of Washington State get up there and say, hey, you know what? There are some great protocols out there. Talk to your doctor. You know, we're we're giving them information about some organizations like the FLCCC, you know, for so that you your doctors are empowered to to choose what they feel is best. Obviously, we don't want them dictating how to practice medicine, but they should have been able to give all these resources. And and they would say, oh, it's not in our wheelhouse. And and we've never done that before. And it's like, you've never done anything like you're doing now before. Everything you're doing Mm -hmm. is unprecedented. So, Mm, you know, why? But it just it just revealed the systemic corruption of of everything um, that's going on. So um, in Washington state, is it still, so I'm here actually in Tennessee. Now I'm still um, active with Informed Choice Washington, but I'm in Tennessee as well. And we got a, a bill passed to make ivermectin available over the counter um, with consultation from the pharmacist, but you don't need a prescription. Um, not all the pharmacies are, are taking part. A lot of mom and pops and your compounding pharmacists are though, but you can get it. What's it like in Washington? Is there are there places individuals can can get a prescription filled in Washington? Very difficult, still very difficult. I've had patients contact me from you know Seattle, Puget Sound, professional, well-educated, uh, you know, upper-income patients say, "I've been canvassing the state, and you're the only one I can find right now who helped me possibly obtain a prescription for ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine." I've heard that a number of times. I know there are a couple of other doctors out there. But I would say it's on, on one hand, maybe two hands in, in our state at this point, to the best of my knowledge, which is terrible. And, um, and many of them were scared, scared away from it, from 
you know, sanctions and strongly worded letters from the FDA, you know, yeah. uh, and the hospital. Right. Um, I could tell fear. you some stories about that, but yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Fear, 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 fear. Everybody that we talk to on every aspect of COVID people are, you know, the reason why a doctor is not prescribing is fear of retaliation from, you know, this department, that licensing entity. The reason why, you know, somebody took a jab they didn't want, fear of losing their job, fear of being ostracized from their friends. Fear has driven everybody to make decisions they would not otherwise do. We are living mm -hmm. in a, you know, in medical coercion that is beyond anything that we have ever seen. And I, you know, if we do anything, we need to teach people how liberating and wonderful it feels to stand up to fear and say, I'm going to do what's right, despite what people might say about me or what they might do to my career. And I tell you, it's lip. Well, I don't have a career. This is my career. But <laughs> it's it's liberating. Javier has a career. So he, you know, as a as a scientist, um, he only represents, of course, himself, but he puts himself out there. He is on this show as a scientist mm -hmm. and that potentially he's being brave. And I know though that Javier, your, your, your inner self wouldn't let you do it any other way. I well, don't think you could live with yourself if you didn't. And it's, and then, you know, thank you for that. And that's all these questions are a great segue uh, to, you know, what have you experienced? I mean, have you been threatened by the medical boards for what you, what you're doing right now? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I can, I can narrate some examples for you. So here's one example. Here's one example. Here's what the press will do. And here's, here's, this is called a hatchet job by the press. Okay. So I'm, I'm in my clinic one day. It's a Friday afternoon. I'm taking care of patients in between patients. My front desk assistant hands me a business card and it says the name of our local NBC affiliate. And it says reporter so-and-so, so-and-so. She's like, this lady came by and was hoping to talk to you. Of course you were busy with patients. So she dropped off her card. She says, call you. She wants to talk to you. I said, fine. I had no idea what it was about. And I'm like, okay, I'm going back to my day. It's a busy clinic day on Friday. I'll call her on Monday. We'll set up an appointment. No problem. I finish up my day. I go to the gym to work out. As I'm working out, my cell phone starts blowing up. And uh, the owner of the facility where I was working, so I was renting some space and working as an independent contractor, but yet kind of in this larger clinic uh, setting. The owner of the clinic says, Dr. Turner, your face is all over the news right now. Like, what the is going on here? You know, you didn't tell me about this. There's a news article about this. You're taking pictures of our clinic saying that you're prescribing ivermectin. Are you really doing that? Uh, that's some horse stuff. I mean, what is going on, right? He was just like every, oh, yeah, every reactionary, you know, nerve in his body was fired up. And I was like, okay, well, let's call an ASAP meeting tomorrow. Like, I'll talk through this. There's a rational explanation for everything, right? So I go home and it's like, I go, seriously? That's how these people operate? They drop a business card off in the middle of my day knowing that I'm too busy to do to talk to them. They air the show literally three hours later that night. And by the way, this show was well put together. It was no impromptu kind of show. So it had all the stock footage of literally horses and veterinary people and a bunch of scare footage of saying, ivermectin is being prescribed and you know it can be toxic it's a veterinary medicine can you believe that there's even a local doctor doing this and then it cuts away it shows a picture of my clinic and says yes oh, no. there's reports of yes 
Yes, this is honest. There's reports that Dr. Michael Turner is prescribing this medication. He could not be reached for comment, but and then they cut away. <laughs> yes, yes, you can't make this up. Yes, and then they cut away to some expert, you know, like party line public health guy from Seattle saying, you know, you know, of course, sanctimoniously putting in my place and wagging his finger that this would be a ridiculous, you know, breach of medical care. And then they said. Oh, and by the way, here's the hotline for Washington State Medical Commission if anyone wants to file a complaint. And they listed that in their uh, news article. Yes, and in the published news article. And and you, so if you look up my name, it's interesting. You can look up Dr. Turner, Tri-Cities, and Ivermectin. Probably the number two Google search result is this hack job that they did yep. and, and that they put out. And they very clearly say, if anyone wants to complain, here's Washington State Commission. Let me tell you something else then about Washington State Commission. So shortly thereafter, I start to receive these letters from them. Okay. And at first, highly disturbing, highly unnerving, right? I've never received a letter from Washington State Medical Commission, right? This could spell, you know, all kinds of problems, right? So this is going to, you know, cause cause some tightness deep down in my, my stomach, right? So I'm opening these letters. Here's what's interesting. No patient of mine has ever complained about ivermectin or possible side effects or harms of it. Nobody, no one's ever come back and said, this didn't work great or this harmed me or there's some kind of problem. Can we talk this out? Never. All of my patients, to the best of my knowledge, they've never contacted me if otherwise, have been happy and it's worked well for them and they've been really thankful. The people who report me to the medical commission, right? It would be like a relative, like say the aunt who was a nurse in Seattle, right? who clearly knew better than that some quack would give this to her niece. Okay. Right. And so it's that family member who wants to report me to the commission or the other thing would happen. It would be ER doctors, right? So patient goes in, they get sick with COVID. Like what meds are you on? Ivermectin. Who gave you that? Dr. Turner. Oh, well, who is this quack? You know, I'm reporting yeah. him now. So you get these anonymous things from these like local, some from ER doctors around the state, but never actually from a patient. So, Right. And then, uh, yeah, so I had to get legal representation. Thankfully, I have a fantastic attorney, Brian Anderson. I'll pump him publicly. He's been amazing. He's been representing me, his partner, Ned, as well, um, pro bono this whole time. And I'm thankful. They're a blessing. They're a gift from God, frankly, because I just send these letters to them and I say, hey, you guys deal with this. The good news is I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to hide. Right. I acted according to conscience. But beyond that, according to best medical evidence. Right. If they want to put Ivermectin mm-hmm. on trial and talk about their approach to COVID versus mine, let's do it. Let's talk yeah. about what's the best approach. If I'm truly practicing terrible medicine, I'm the first one to want to know and change my voice because I'm committed to help the patients the best. But let's have a discussion about it one way or the other. Right. I have nothing to hide. So there you go. the lawyer's been taking care of that really capably on my behalf. And I just keep doing what I'm doing, helping patients every day. Man. Oh, good, good for you. And, and so I, I take it everything just kind of just stops there. They they open it up. There's nothing to see. They close it or what? Oh, did you hear me? Here's, here's what's interesting. Here's how they operate. So the first complaint was filed probably about 13 months ago. It was like September, October of last year. That was the first one. And of course, they want to ask for all kinds of information. Send me all the patient records, send me your informed consent policy, all this. It's a big fishing expedition that they go on, right? And they're trying to figure out something they can nail you on. So we send them all our documentation because we document everything. It's very above board. We have excellent systems and practices, et cetera. Um, 
that original complaint has actually never been addressed. It's never been closed. We actually never got a response back from them. We sent them our response. We're waiting to hear like, you know, some sort of resolution it never came. And then a new complaint would trickle in maybe six or eight weeks later, some new anonymous thing. And then they'd want more information on that. So we've got like five of these open complaints now that have been rolling for 13 months or so. None of them has ever been closed. Um, and I don't know if that's just incompetence or backlog or if it's their strategy to just wear you out and keep you perpetually sort of under the guillotine, you know, uh, and not knowing what your future is going to be. It, it's terrible practice on their part, if I may speak freely. But, yeah, you know, we got to keep doing what we're doing. Well, yeah, we don't censor on this show, although it is family friendly. So we just kind of watch, have you watch your language. But, you know, you could say anything you want on this show. In fact, my very first show, a couple of years ago, my guest was Dr. Andrew Wakefield. And I don't know if you know who that is, but we came out of the gates full on to just really talk about what is being censored so we could bring truth to light. This is what we're all about and inform life. You know, you, you can't live an informed life without information. And we need doctors who are willing to look at the full body of information that isn't being tainted or skewed by um, the drug industry or the captured public health agencies. And we're down to one minute, Dr. Turner, you got last words for us. Uh, Thank have, you. You know, I would say, oh, Javier, please. Sorry. And uh, I just wanted to share. Um, let's see if I can get this. Oh, oh what am I doing here? <laughs> Let me stop sharing here. I just wanted to share the um, um, your uh, your your link to um, uh, your. Well, I can't get this thing to work. I can't you get it. Work. Oh, you always when we're trying to be in a hurry. Don't worry about it. Dr. Turner, go ahead. Tell us uh, your website. Okay. Well, sure. Um, I'd say my website is michaelturnermd.com. Beyond that, I can be found on Substack, where I publish a series of articles. One of them is called Losing My Vaccine Religion, A, Doc a Doctor's Journey from Hope to Despair. And that's how we first got in touch or came up on that article. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for having me. And I would say in the end, actually, with a note of optimism and hope, right, which is the truth is more powerful than any lie, and the truth is on our side. And as time goes on, this is sort of just a one-way flow of information, right? In other words, nobody goes from being pro anti-vaccine to pro-vaccine on this issue because as time goes on, more and more truth and information comes out. It's like entropy. It's a yeah. unidirectional process where more and more people are being... Yeah. Oh, and, and we've been silenced now. So you've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Thank you all. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Hi, I'm Brian Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PGI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit PJI. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of Rush vaccine candidates. 
Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.